0: Offertory, and I know we've had different piano students step up to the piano and do offertory. And there's nothing quite as intimidating as sitting down uh, to play the offertory um, when, when you're a youngster or any time for that matter. Uh, you can practice all you want, but there's nothing like sitting down at the piano and doing it in front of a group of people. So, uh, great job on that tonight, and I appreciate those that encourage. Our young people to get down in on the piano and, and do that and put the hours into practice and and what a blessing that that is job chapter two and going to begin reading in verse seven and then read down through the end of the chapter job chapter two and verse seven so satan went out from the presence of the lord and struck struck job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar, they did not recognize him. They lifted their voices and wept, and each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to have copies of it that we can look to, that we can study for ourselves, that we can read. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that you've given to help guide us in understanding your word. And I pray that your your spirit would guide every aspect of our time together tonight. Lord, I pray that through it we might be encouraged to do what your word teaches us to do. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be looking at lessons on how to have a godly marriage like Job and his wife. Okay, maybe not. Actually, what we're going to be looking at is how to comfort those who are suffering. Now, it's easy for us to come down harsh on Job's wife, but uh she went through everything that Job went through except for the the physical sores on her, but you think of losing all of her children, her household, all of their their uh well-being. Um, and I th- I It's easy for us to read. Well, how could she say that? You know, she should have been a better wife. If we were in her position, I have a feeling we might have been tempted to say those same things of we might have been the ones wanting to curse God and die ourselves. So in this, we what we want to look at is in here we see some examples of uh, things that that Job's three friends did that were were positive in, in comforting him. Uh, someone that who, who had gone through immense suffering and was in the midst of it. And we're not going to take the time because it would take us most of the evening to read through uh, what his friends uh, spoke to him. But think of, of times in your life when you have been in the midst of suffering, maybe something physical suffering. Maybe it's something uh, emotional or spiritual suffering. And think of those times when maybe someone came and ministered to you, and what a blessing that that was. Or maybe you can think of times when you were in need of ministering, but somebody came and and really dumped water on on you and made it even worse, like Job's friends ended up doing to him. So I think we can all think of examples like that in our life. So uh, starting out tonight, I want to look... Uh, at how not to comfort others, and then we're going to end on the positive of how how we can minister to one another's needs. Um, Mark Twain said, it's better to keep your mouth shut and to have people think you are a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. And how not to comfort others. From Job's three friends, I think first off, Opening your mouth is a way not to comfort others. Now I know there are exceptions to this when your your words are uh, are uplifting to them, but you look at at Job's friends and the the answers that they gave him. They said, you know, Job, this is punishment for for sin in your life. As we heard this morning, this is this is God's judgment upon you. When someone is going through suffering. They don't want or need to hear from you why they're going through this suffering. Uh, it's, it's often better to keep your mouth shut and to comfort them in the midst of that than to open your mouth and make matters worse. In Proverbs 10 and verse 19, it says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. And over and over in Proverbs, in chapter 17 and verse 28 Even a fool when he keeps his mouth shut is esteemed wise. There's so many warnings for us in the use of our tongue, in what we are saying. And I look at it in this way. When someone is going through suffering and battling something, and you know they are, they are that much more sensitive to the words that we're about ready to say to them. They're that much more sensitive. And we need to be... uh, we need to prayerfully consider what we are about to say to them and not place ourselves on a pedestal of, oh, this is why this is happening to you. Let me give you all the answers when they have not come to us for answers. They've come to us for comfort or for a, a friend. So very few times when someone is hurting do they look to you to answer all of their problem, all of their problems, why they are hurting? So when you're comforting others, be careful what you say to them. Be careful when you open your mouth, because there's great temptation. There's great uh, room for error and sin when we do that. But then how not to comfort others? Don't tell them that they deserve what they have happening to them. So, in Job's case, here he is going through suffering that I can't even imagine. Um, you take one of these things that happened to him, and it would be unbearable. And then you take all of them, and I don't know, I don't know how he handled it the way that he did. But for them to sit, come and tell him, you know, Job, you deserve what is happening to you. This is, this is God's judgment on you. This is, you had this coming. That is something that maybe you've envisioned saying to somebody that you really don't like. You know, you see something evil happening to them. and You're like, you know what? They probably deserve that. They had that coming. But here are his friends or who he thought were his friends telling him these things. So when someone is hurting, don't tell them you deserve this. Uh, there may be a time later on when you when you uh, help them discover that. But in the midst of that pain is not the moment to tell them, this pain happened to you because you have done this. But then don't try to comfort them by downplaying their pain. You never fully know the pain that someone else is experiencing. Even if you've gone through something similar yourself, we all react differently to things. And there's that temptation to say, I know it looks I know it looks bad now, but let me tell you why it's it's not bad. So don't try to downplay their pain and then don't ignore them in their pain. Many times someone who is really suffering, we have a tendency to almost avoid them because not because of something about them, but because we feel like, well, what? What? I don't know what I would say to them. And I think we've all been in those situations where we're like, I don't have any words to say to them. And, and it's coming from a good heart in the sense that we're trying to, I wish I could do something. I wish I could say something to really meet this need that they have. But then what we do is we tend to, I don't know what to say, and I feel awkward, so I'm just going to going to ignore or kind of avoid them. So what we want to look at is how can you and I be believers, be followers of Christ and learn to comfort one another. Uh, Turn to second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. God will bring people into your life that he wants you to minister to. If you say, man, I'm surrounded by hurting people, which if we're if we're looking, we are all surrounded by hurting people. But he brings people in your life who he wants you to minister to. And he brings things in your life to help you learn of him so that you can help comfort others. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse three, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercy and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble, in any trouble, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So the comfort that we have received, now we are able to comfort others. Verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation which is effective for, uh, for enduring the suffering for which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will be partakers of the consolation. So in here we see the comfort that you have found in Christ, God wants to then use... You to comfort others. I I saw this quote from John Jowett. I'm not familiar with him, but he said, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. So he does not comfort you so that you can be like, oh, look how comfortable I am, but so that you can comfort others. So, how can you and I learn to comfort other people? Well, from the example of Job's friends, we see that in his suffering, they, first of all, were aware of the pain and the suffering that he was going through. In order to see the suffering that people are going through around you, that you have to have your focus off of yourself. If I am consumed with with my needs, what, I, what I'm going through, it's easy to miss everything that's going on around us. Uh, when I'm not paying attention to to your needs and only mine. I miss the suffering. And as I mentioned, the world truly is full of people who are suffering and who are hurting. If we take the time to spend with them, to talk to them, to build relationships so that we can, they're comfortable with us, we find out how much people really are hurting. The destruction of sin, the 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 homes that that kids have to live in, there's so much hurting around us. And God wants to use you and I to bring comfort to those lives. So be aware of people suffering around you. Get your eyes off of yourself. But then Job's friends, it says that they came to him and they sat down with him and they spent seven days. And no one spoke a word. Seven days. So one way that you can minister is by being present, by being spending time with them. Now, this is when they started out doing a good job of comforting him. And then once they opened their mouth, then it all went downhill from there. But can you imagine we we often I don't know what I'm going to say to him. They spent seven days with him sitting there spending time with him, your time is one of the most valuable things that you can give to someone who is hurting. There have been studies done about the value of a parent, of spending time with their kids, of of quality time with children, and how much that benefits a child's life. There There is so much benefit in you taking the time to spend with someone in the midst of their suffering. You don't have to give them uh, answers to their problems. You don't have to say anything. They sat there for seven days and they grieved with him in his suffering. But I will say with this, also be sensitive to the person's needs. Not everyone wants you to come and spend seven days with them and sit there. Uh, maybe you've had people come to your house that you're like, are you going to are you going to move on anytime?" So don't uh, be sensitive to the person's needs of if they need somebody to be present there with them, be willing to be there with them. But if they're needing time alone with God, then give them their time alone with God. This is uh, the verse in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five, where God said, uh, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. How much comfort comes from knowing God's presence with us. And truly, there is great comfort in, in being present in the midst of, of somebody's hurt. But then, how to comfort others? Be sensitive to that person's pain. It says that they came to him, and they so they sat down on the ground. It said they saw him. They lifted up their voices, and they wept, and they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their head, they were mourning with him. It wasn't, they didn't start out, man, look at this Job. Yeah, I knew something bad was going to happen to him. He's probably, probably sinned some, no, they were, they were grieved. They were mourning with him. They, they were hurting with him. Um, In Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and Normally, it's easy to rejoice with other people. Normally, sometimes we have to fight the temptation to be jealous of of what has happened to them. But it's easy to rejoice with people. But then it says, but then we are to weep with those who weep. And Job's friends started out weeping with him in the midst of his pain and in the midst of his trial. Even if no one else knows the pain that you are going through at this time, Maybe people don't know the suffering. Maybe it's something, uh, a, a spiritual suffering that you've been facing. Know that God knows exactly the pain that you are going through. And he is the great comforter. So I say that in, we should be sensitive to other people's pain, but know that even if there's no one else that you can talk to, no one else that you can cry out to, Know that God knows exactly the pain that you are experiencing more than any other person will ever know. But we can comfort others by, as we've mentioned, remember that words are not always necessary. You've heard it said often, people don't always people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And I know we've all experienced that where We've heard a lot of people talk, "Oh man, they, they know this and they think they know this and they know this and they know this." But it doesn't make a big impact, but when you have somebody that truly cares about you, and you know they do, and they invest time in your life, that makes the biggest impact of all. People don't always need to hear an answer for you, from you. Learn to listen instead of talking. So be quick to listen, and slow to speak. The temptation is to listen, and okay, this is what you're going through. Now let me give you an answer to what you're going through. Let me tell you what your problem is. That's the temptation of. But we need to learn to truly listen to what people are saying. Uh, we we've had this discussion with our kids before. Ask them to do something. Tell them to do something, and they don't do it. And I, or and it's like, you you heard the words come out of my mouth, but you weren't listening to what I said. Maybe you've had those experiences, maybe with kids, maybe in marriage. You heard the words, but you weren't listening. It wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't thinking about it. And how many times in talking to other people do we, we hear the words coming in our mind and maybe we're already thinking of an answer for them. We're not truly listening to what they're saying, and maybe more importantly, what they're conveying to us in that moment of pain. So be sensitive in your listening, not just saying, yeah, I I heard what they said, but truly listening to what is coming from their heart, but then find ways to express comfort to them. And what I mean by that is everybody appreciates uh, different expressions of comfort. Some people really appreciate you giving them a hug. Other people that they don't want that at all. Uh, some people would really what can really comfort them is just uh, a friendly smile or bringing them a plate of cookies and say, you know, I was just thinking about you. Chocolate chip cookies are are normally the best. Monster cookies are good too, you know. But if you're worried about it, just do chocolate chip cookies. But taking them a plate of cookies or goodies or taking a meal to them or sending them an encouragement card. Any way that you can express to them that you care for them, that you are you are there, you are wanting what is best for them. Maybe you are not able to to give them time like Job's friends did, but we can all minister in different areas. So find ways that, that they would appreciate. Sometimes it's good to ask, what would I appreciate in this situation? But sometimes what they appreciate isn't what, what you would appreciate. So find out what they like and find ways to express comfort. But then use the comfort that you have found in your midst of trials to comfort others. We The song we just sang, Day by Day, it was written by a, a lady who, uh, growing up, she was very sickly, very frail. And her father was a pastor, I believe. And uh, she, she lived there and even into her, her adult years um, and really loved writing and poetry. And they were on, her and her father were on, were on a boat trip one day. And don't know exactly what happened, but the, the boat kind of lurched. And her father went overboard and drowned right before her eyes. And it's in that that she came to write the song day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. The song What a Friend We Have in Jesus was written by a man named Joseph Scriven, who uh, grew up in Ireland and the day before he was supposed to get married, his fiance drowned, died in an accident. And in his grief, he thought, "I need to, I need a change of scenery. I need, I need to move." And he ended up moving to Canada. And when he was in Canada, he was about ready. He uh, was engaged to be married again. And while he was there, before he was able to get married, his fiance died suddenly again. And you think, man, this guy going through these terrible situations. Well, he found out his mother was very sick and facing trials back in Ireland, and he wrote her a poem to try to encourage her. And the poem is the song we know as What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And it wasn't until later on uh, in his life, That the song was already popular, um, people were singing it and nobody knew where it came from. And when he was, uh, toward the end of his life, a friend found one of his, uh, writings of that and said, Are, are you, are you the one that wrote this hymn? And he said, Well, God and I did it between us, was his, was his answer. But I say those stories to say the comfort that you have found. Use that to comfort others. We're familiar with the song, It Is Well With My Soul, and the, the suffering that that song came out of. That song, these songs have ministered to thousands and thousands of people because they used the suffering and then ultimately the comfort that they found to help comfort others in need. And they did that by pointing them to the word of God. So comfort others by pointing them to the word. Remind them of the truths of God's word. Um, In Romans 15 and verse four, it says, for whatsoever things were written beforehand before were written for our learning that through the patience and the comfort of scripture, we might have hope. It's the comfort of scripture that we find that we find hope for tomorrow, that we find hope for even today. So if you don't know what to say to someone, always point them to the word of God. Always point them to the word of God. It is the source of hope. It is the source of comfort. It is the source of help. So remind them of the truths of God's word. But what that means is many times when you're visiting with someone, you don't have the Bible with you right there. let me just turn here quick I guess with I guess with cell phones a lot of times we do do have but you need to have those those verses committed to your heart and to your memory and that's why it's important that we've been working on this this memory work so that when you're in conversation with someone, you're able to share a verse with them without saying, oh, I heard a great verse a while ago, let me look it up no." Let hide the word of God in your heart that then you can share that. But then comforting others, pray with them. Always take time to pray with them. First, Peter five, verse seven, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That song, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Taking and casting your burden on the Lord and taking their burden, you may not. Know completely what they're going through, but the comfort that comes by praying for one another. But then remind them of who God is. Remind them of who God is. That's why it's so important for you and I to be in the word to remind ourselves of who God is, that he is faithful, that he loves us with an everlasting love, that he is just, that he is all powerful, that he is in control, that he is the creator And that remind them that one day Jesus is going to come again and that the best is yet to come as followers of Christ, that the best is yet to come. Remind them of the glorious hope that we have, that suffering is but for a moment. And that the choir sang uh, the song at Easter. One day you'll make everything new that one day all of this suffering will be behind us. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 18 says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Looking forward to that hope of heaven, we sing the song, this world is not my home. The suffering of this world, the, the struggle with sin is but for a moment. So in the quote that I shared earlier, it's what I want to close with and remind you that God has not comforted you so that you can sit back and be comfortable tonight, but so that you can go and minister to one another and comfort others. Let's pray. Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life of Job, and there's so many lessons that we can learn from it, Lord, I thank you for. Uh, the lesson of comforting those who are in the midst of suffering. Lord, I thank you for the peace, the comfort that we find in you, that our burden of sin is gone as we find salvation in you, and that we find the comfort that you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, I pray that we could be good vessels uh, for you to use, that we would see the needs of those around us, that we would not be selfish, but would step up and meet those needs, that we would be sensitive to uh, the hurting, that we would rejoice with those that rejoice, and that we would weep with those that weep. Lord, I thank you that, You know what each one of us are going through tonight. You know the joys, you know the the hurting. And I thank you that you have given your spirit the great comforter to minister to those needs. Lord, we love you and we thank you tonight because you are good in every way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.